Welcome to the Marketplace Midland podcast, where we highlight a monthly speaker that shares helpful tools for all of us to integrate timeless biblical principles into our modern businesses. So it's my privilege to, to introduce to you um, our speaker this month, Jared Blong. I think many of you know Jared, and, uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, he's been involved in in his life. And, uh, and then we'll, I'll get out of the way so we can spend time with, uh, listening to what he has to share. Jared and his wife, Lori, um, founded Octane Energy in 2013. And I did the math. That's 10 years ago. That's crazy. How did 2013 get to be 10 years ago? Um, they've been uh, uh, growing that business uh, steadily over that time. Uh, Currently, they, they operate 2,600 acres, and he may have to update some of this, but uh, in the Midland Basin, contract operate over 300 wells uh, for other folks, as well as uh, various consultancy things that they do uh, through that organization. Uh, Jared also uh, did a couple of years stint um, as a president and COO of AquaSmart, and, um, and previously served in various positions with Western Drilling and RK Ford and Associates. Uh, if you know Jared, He's an out-of-the-box thinker. He's creative and likes to develop innovative solutions. Um, and, but in addition to his work pursuits, he's invested his time well in a number of other areas. I'll just uh, list a few. Texas Public Policy Foundation, Heist County Children's Ranch. He's served in a number of capacities at Stonegate Fellowship. Um, he's uh, active here at Marketplace Midland. Uh, Boy Scout Troop 232. Um, if you know much about Jared, it doesn't surprise you to know that he was uh, the founding chairman of the board for the Permian Basin Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and also has served uh, the International Association of Drilling Contractors. I didn't know this about Jared, but it doesn't surprise me. He's an Eagle Scout. That seems to fit Jared well. He has a, a BBA uh, from Tarleton State uh, University. And, uh, I was trying to remember when Jerry and I first met, and I can't, I can't put my finger on it. It's just like he was just there. I don't know. We've known uh, Jerry and Lori for quite some time. Uh, my family and I, after living here in the 90s and, and uh, through the initial years of Stonegate, we moved to Oklahoma for a period of time. We came back to town. Anyways, when we were reconnecting with uh, Jerry and Lori and various people around town, we found out that that uh, he not only lived on the street that we lived on the first time we lived here, he actually lives in the house that we lived in the first time that we lived here. And uh, to really get weird, uh, his son, he has a son named Caleb, who lives in the same bedroom as our son, who was named Caleb, lived in when he was growing up. So that's just a little, that's just a little strange. But um, one of the things that, uh, out of all the things that I've talked about, Jared would prefer that you forget about that and know one thing about him. He didn't tell me to say this, but, I'll tell, but I know him well enough. He wants you to know that he is a man after God's heart. And if you don't already know that about him, you will in about 30 minutes here. So my pleasure to introduce to you Jared Blom. Well, good morning, mighty men of West Texas. How are we doing today? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you had good barbecue. 
We like supporting the cattle business out here. We like supporting local business. So you guys had Max Barbecue. Those guys are a couple of Eagle Scouts that uh, some of us know as well. And so I'm glad you guys got to get good caloric intake. We're trying to kill you very slowly. <laughs> Andy, thanks for that uh, unnecessarily generous introduction. Um, as I say many weeks, as I get up in front of a bunch of kids out on West Wadley at a church we call Stonegate, um, really all I do is introduce myself as, hey, I'm just a guy that uh, loves to tell kids about Jesus, and uh, I really, really love the oil business, but more than that, I love being a dad and a husband and uh, a dangerous disciple maker. And so that's, that's really my bio. All the rest of this stuff is very superfluous um, and requires too much ink. So, um, as, as Andy mentioned, my name is Jared Blong. In fact, I'm the very first, first gentleman of Midland, Texas, or as some of you guys know, or as some of you guys know, the first bearded lady. <laughs> but more on that later. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing how to live dangerously and why that matters for leadership and, and how to really unlock our real power and our capacity. But first, I wanna recount something that Marketplace Midland has done uh, since, our, since our starting back in 2016. At the, end of, at the end of everyone's talk, we have an opportunity to do Q&A, and, and we're missing a guy today. He, he just recently moved to Manor Park. His name's Bob Bledsoe. And Bob is one of my very, very favorite Midlanders. And without fail, if Bob showed up, Bob would ask the exact same question every month of everyone, whether you're Bill Thomas or Chad Henning or Evan Bear running the stretch of, you know, uh, industry and age. Bob asked the same question every time. Hey, tell us about your prayer life. And, and if I had been uh, better prepared, I would have had a chance to put together a fancy video and Bob and I would have got to talk, but I'm way too low tech for that. Um, and I prepare too poorly for that. But I, I want to I really get to the heart of why Bob asked that question. Because Bob really wanted to get to the heart of a man. Because see, your prayer life and that probing question is just that, it's probing. And it reveals something about who you think you are and who you think God is. And so I want us to spend some time uh, discussing that today and, and, and really camp on this idea of self-reliance or can we actually ask for help? And, I, and I'm looking across this room to, to a bunch of men and a woman as well who I've had to ask for help a lot of times. My dad's here, drove in from Abilene today. That's a, it's a huge blessing. Lord knows I've had to ask him for help countless times. And the reason I want to talk about this today is, is this. Typically, or what I, don't, what I don't want to talk about today is this. Hey, here's a virtue. If you can employ it, and if you do it, then you'll be successful. Because that's not really the point, right? But we want, we want it to be the point. <laughs> and 
In fact, Saturday morning, Sunday morning this week, so Caleb, my 13-year-old my who Andy was introducing you guys to, Caleb and I, we, we serve in, in uh, second and third grade, kind of check kids in with a smiling face that people see first or the scary face maybe depending on your perspective. Um, and then as soon as we get done, we bail to Shipley's and have uh, a Wagyu kolache. And we crack open the word for 30 or 40 minutes, and then we head back to church for, you know, as, as, as we called it when I was a kid, and as we still call it in our house, big church, right? But, and this week, you know, I was checking in with him, and it's like, hey, man, how's your reading going? And because he was reading something earlier in the week that I found to be uh, strangely familiar in the timing of it. And I said, are you on a reading plan? No, Dad, I'm just, I'm just being random. So we, so we cracked open the Bible to Proverbs 16, because Sunday morning was six, the 16th. And Solomon says, in, in one phrase in Proverbs 16, he says two, two phrases, very, very short and to the point. Get wisdom and get understanding. Get wisdom and get understanding. Now, you know, try, be, being the, the, the godly, you know, instructive, disciple-making dad that I'm trying to be, I said, like, Caleb, you know, it's relevant to listen to this guy because he was the richest dude that ever walked the planet. And, and of course, as a 13-year-old, he begins to argue with me about, you know, his net worth and, and, and all these sorts of things. So, you know, we do a little Googling while we're sitting there at Shipley's and, and, and find out Solomon was, in fact, very, very wealthy uh, in today's dollars. But we, do, we dove into a story out of Second Chronicles where God comes to Solomon after Solomon's been coronated as king. And he asks Solomon during the middle of the night, hey, what is it should I grant you? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can't really consider the number of times that the Lord has come to me in a dream or at night and said, hey, what can I grant you? And Solomon's response still blows my mind. He says, grant me wisdom. And, and God's response to that response was, hey, because you didn't ask for your enemies' heads, because you didn't ask for long life, because you didn't ask for riches or power or all these things, I'm going to grant you wisdom. But also because you didn't ask for those things, I'm going to give you all these other things. And so as, all, as a 13-year-old should, Caleb immediately stopped me during the conversation, put his hands together, and he's like, Lord, grant me wisdom. <laughs> now, here's the thing, guys. In the, in the innocence of a 13-year-old, that's all well and good. But the reality is, is that we want to transact business with God just like that. And that's a hard pill for us to swallow. But the reality is, we go back to him day after day after day, hoping that we can push forward this kind of calculus. If this, then this. And, and in a room in Midland, Texas, that probably has more engineers per capita than any other place on planet Earth, this is how our brains work, right? It's not just a heart thing, our brain always lives there. Hey, I'm, I'm working the process, right? I'm working the financial model. We want God's stuff and blessings and not God. And it's, come, it's tough to come face to face with that reality. 
And I recognize that in my own life, that's the default. So God, here's the term sheet for this deal. God, here's the rules for this engagement. God, I understand what the inputs are. So therefore the outputs should be X. We just can't run the financial model and the justice sensitivities to manipulate God, man. That's not how the deal works. And so in God's grace, he revealed a real truth that I needed to stomach Sunday morning through my 13-year-old, that I behave the exact same way. You see, God's really only interested in one transaction. <laughs> and that's Christ's perfect sacrifice for your complete submission to his kingship and lordship. So today, instead of going down this road of if this, then that, conditional statements, hey, how do we, how do we live a successful life? How do we build a successful business? No, instead, today, I want my primary objective to be this with you to send you back into the marketplace, back into the field, back into our community as room changers. The kind that live fearless and dangerously impactful lives. The question is, how do we do that? What's well, not through our strength, it's not through us being a bunch of bootstrappers, as, as many of us might be, <laughs> right? I want to I introduce to you a concept, a reality, actually, to, to completely unlock real power and capacity. So if you happen to have a Bible on your phone or you want to pull this up, I'd point you to 2 Corinthians 12. Paul's going through a dissertation. You know, there's a, there's a guy that his name was Saul of Tarsus. He, he had a pedigree. He, he, had, he had the right resume, right? He had the right bio. And so this is the guy that's talking to us. He's writing a church, uh, writing a church uh, called Corinth in, in Asia Minor. And he says this, starting in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12. He says, especially because of the extraordinary revelations... Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So that I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. And if you take any notes today, take this down. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Men, God chooses for us to be weak to protect us from us. to cause you to deeply value the strength that only He can give. And that's a tough pill to swallow for us kind of strapper, gritty folks, those West Texans that are in here. And this way, the weakness that He sends our way isn't an, an impediment to the good life. It's not in the way of His loving plan. They're not signs of His lack of care 
for you or for those around you. Weaknesses aren't indicators of failure of his promises. They don't expose gaps in the theology that we hold dear. And they're not even indications that the Bible contradicts itself when it says God will meet all of our needs. No, these weaknesses are tools of God's zealous and amazing grace. They protect you and me from, the, from arrogance, from self-reliance. They keep you from thinking that you're capable of what you're not. Now, I'm going to camp there for a second. For a really, really long time, I thought I was pretty awesome. Maybe some of you guys suffer from this same uh, diagnosis. And, and my dad can probably vouch for that even more than my wife can, although she's had a front row seat to it for 20 years now. And see, God doesn't really care about your awesomeness <laughs> because you're not. And when we get to that point of realization that it's not really about our awesomeness, that it's really not about our capability, it's really not about what deal I can make happen or where I can actually make influence you know, take place, how I can lead a team from point A to point B. And don't get me wrong, I love leadership. I love all the principles of leadership. I love deploying leadership and building teams. Those are all things that I love. But God just simply doesn't care that I think that I'm awesome. No, instead, He loves me so much, just like Paul's saying here, that He sends challenges in the way to remind me how awesome I'm not. Some of, some of those are commodity cycles. Amen? Some of us drink that Kool-Aid a little faster than others do. Right? Some of us learn those lessons more quickly than others. And if you ask my wife, she would tell you that I actually pick the hardest way to do things all the time. And I think she's probably about 98.5% correct. God in His loving kindness sends us sends us down roads of challenge and tribulation so that we have to run to him for help. But here's the thing, guys. If we don't live in relationship with God ahead of time, running in to help is not a natural behavior of ours. It's contrary. It's contrary to how we're hardwired, especially for those of us that are choose to do it the hard way. Right? We want, we want resistance training, Lord. Stick me into the weight room of life. Right? And God's saying, no, there, there is a narrow way, but that narrow way is in my wake. For any of you guys that have been on a road bike, it's, it's in my draft, and you, you can get behind that, that wheel of the guy that's in front of you, and they literally suck you along. And when I, when I used to ride faithfully, the, the guys that I would ride with, most of them were Steve Pruitt's size. They loved to have me out front because I was a wind dam. And I was grinding and struggling. But I was trying to prove something to the, to the peloton that I was riding with that I was worthy of being with them. How oftentimes do we do that in the marketplace, men? trying to prove our worth, 
Even someone said to me, I don't remember who it was, you know, hey, I saw your dad here making proud. My dad knows that that's not my objective in life. Now, is it a consequence that may ultimately unfold? Yes, by God's grace it is. But I don't worship him. I worship a different father. A father who sits on the throne of heaven. And he's transformed my life and he wants to transform yours. So what do we do, what do, we do with this, what Paul's telling us here? I'll submit to you that our weaknesses are not the big danger that we should fear. Death is the thing you shouldn't fear. Death is the ultimate demonstration of weakness, men. If we're really sober-minded about it, right? A deal going bad, yeah, that, you know, maybe looks crummy on your record. Can't go back to the PE guys and say, hey, look at all my W's, right? You can't go to the shareholders and say, hey, look at what, how great our, our operational track record was this, this quarter. I got those really things to be afraid of. And the reason that I think we get sucked up into those things is because we've forgotten who our real treasure is. We've forgotten what our real treasure is. So I want to throw this idea at you. This is a quote from an old, old friend. And I say friend loosely because I don't actually know the guy. He's just an old guy that I read. His name's A.W. Tozier. He's truly one of my favorite theologians from last century because he's almost like a field hand, right? He just gives it to you straight. And he's not verbose about it either. Like, he writes pamphlets, not, not dissertations. Tozer says this in one of his books. He says, what comes to, into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of teaching out of the book of John, uh, the story of Lazarus. Some of you guys may know that story. Jesus was in a place called Bethany. One of his buddies died. His, his uh, sisters sent word, hey, he's sick, come back and you know, help him out. Jesus kind of sat tight for a couple days and then went. And when he got back, tragedy had struck And, and what I love is that Martha runs to him in that moment, rather than being livid and agitated, she's heartbroken. And she said, Lord, Lord, if you were just here, he wouldn't have died. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. She, she revealed what she thought about God in that statement. But Jesus goes on in that passage and he says some crazy stuff to her. He says to, to, to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks her the most, in question, most, most important question in all the world. Do you believe this? 
I don't know what's on your schedule this afternoon. I promise you guys, whatever you think is important is not as important as that question. Do you believe this? And guess what? We don't get to skirt the question. We actually have to answer that question in life. Whether it's today or tomorrow or 10 years from now or the moment you walk out the door and trip on something and break your neck and breathe your last. You will have to answer that question. And because God loves us, because He's the best leader that ever was and ever will be, God leads us into opportunities to change course. God leads us into opportunities to answer that question ahead of time. And He puts us in groups of men or these things we call churches to help us discover the answer to that question. So what does, that, what does that mean for us? Well, here's what I love about Martha's response. Jesus, Jesus asked the question, do you believe this? Martha says this, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Can I tell you guys something? I like building teams. I like making money. It's fun. I like the oil business. I love what hydrocarbons do for the world. All of that pales in comparison to this interaction. This is the most important thing that we have to do as men. In our homes, in our business, in this community, in the industries that we serve, we've got to decide, do we actually believe that this, is, this stuff is real? And if we believe that it's real, our lives need to begin to reflect that we actually believe that truth. Because if we're running in the other direction from that reality, we're lying to ourselves. And we're just running a calculus model like Caleb did at Shipley's on Sunday morning. God, give me wisdom. Bro, why did you pray that prayer? Because I want to be rich, Dad. Why do you follow Jesus? Why are you interested in this church thing? Why do you show up to Marketplace Midland? Is it because we've got great barbecue? Uh, maybe. Is it because you get to network? That's possible. I'm going to tell you why we started this in late 2015. We started this to create room changers in Midland, Texas. Not people that the room changed them when they walked in, but we, we started it so that the gray heads and the no hairs of this town would have a chance to hand off the mantle of leadership to the next generation. And that they would understand that we are super serious about the transformational life that only Jesus can give. And it will turn our world upside down. It's why I love so much that Bob always came back to that question. 
tell me about your prayer life. Tell us about your prayer life. I remember the first couple of times he asked that. I was like, ooh, Bob, that's like, do you know this guy? You know? But he was just trying to get to the heart of the matter. And so, guys, what I want to do today is invite you at your tables. There's a guy that's got a bronzy-looking, sexy badge on that we feel like is the leader who knows and loves Jesus, whose life demonstrates that that's actually what he believes. And what I'd encourage you guys to do for the next several minutes here is dig into these questions more and really answer the question that Jesus is asking Martha, do you believe this? And if the answer is yes, ask for help. Now I'm going to tattle on a couple of you in here real quick. One of them sitting in the front row. Ten years ago when we started our company, there's a, there's a real dear friend of mine who also loves Jesus who had a really big pile of money as a capital commitment from a, from a capital partner, and we had zero. And Steve and I were having breakfast one morning, and he invited me to share his office because he knew I was working from home, and he knew that that was probably not an ideal situation. And he had an entire floor of the Centennial Tower. And because he's a good brother, and because he sees people when they need help, he asked if he could help before I knew better to ask for help. And many of you guys have done the same thing over the years. You see, this story about understanding weakness, we have to be sober-minded when we face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of our faith would produce endurance, as Jesus' little brother James says. Joyfully just do it. <laughs> right? Like, James, James had Nike bagged way before Nike ever did. Right? Joyfully just do it. That's, that's what he's ch challenging us to do. And so what I want to ask you guys to do is, is recount at your tables today a failure, a misstep. Could be in business, could be in your family, could be serving in your church, a failure. And that's asking a lot, because we come in here wanting, to, wanting everybody else to think we're awesome. Right? I'm going to tell you about one of mine before I finish today. <clears throat> so our organization was, was running into 2020 hot. Man, we had grown. We'd made the Inc. 5000 list two years in a row. We thought, maybe just me, <laughs> we thought we were pretty awesome. And we were working for some of the best and brightest in the business, prosecuting drilling and completions projects. And we had a team of about 140. And God sent a thorn. And I'm convinced that thorn was to test us what, what do we, what, what do we really treasure? And we went from 140 to 14 guys in the course of 14 days. And two days from today, three years ago, I sat on the floor of our office weeping 
having had to let go of some of my very best friends and coworkers. It was the worst singular professional day of my entire life, hands down. And I sat on the floor, mad, frustrated, because, because my Excel model didn't work. And I argued with God. I said, God, we've done this your way. We've done this right. Why didn't this work out? We've loved people the way you told us to do. We've tithed our money. We've been gen And I just ran down the list like an absolute moron. And then the sobriety of the afternoon, the Holy Spirit led my heart into a different place that said, whatever lesson, Lord, it is you want to teach us, be quick and gentle. Because this is awful. And just like 10 years ago this month, 10 years ago today, actually, I parted ways from a drilling company that I was working with with great surprise. It wasn't part of the schedule that he and I had laid out. And I remember for the very first time, it was a Friday morning, going to God and saying, daily bread matters today, Lord. And we need help. And Friday was a good day. Saturday was a normal Saturday. And Sunday, I completely broke down in the bathroom, getting ready for church, trying to go teach a bunch of 11th grade kids. You guys may have picked up that I'm kind of an emotional roller coaster and maybe a little bit on the intense side of life. And my loving wife grabbed me by the collar, almost like a cartoon, and kind of slapped me up and said, pull yourself together, man. Well, that's why she's leading our city, man, right? She calls it like she sees it. And I walked into church, and I was walking down a hallway, and of all people, Leroy Peterson, who many of you know, stopped me cold in my tracks. He said, hey, boy, heard you and Ford parted ways. I said, yes, sir, we did. Well, I've got a project for you. When can you start? I said, tomorrow. He said, how much you need? And I told him, he said, we'll cut you a check. I'll make sure you work it off. And I walked into my Sunday school room that morning, having been desperate. And I wept again because God is so stinking big, guys. You see, he's uninterested in our awesomeness. He is so interested in you bending your knees and yielding to his kingship. That's the big idea of this life. And just like my granddad said to me in a corral years ago, and when you're running towards that kind of success, that kind of goal, that kind of hill, you drag as many people with you as you can. That's what we're doing here. That's what Marketplace Midland is all about. It's about changing the room. It's about knowing who you are. It's about knowing who you serve. And it's about knowing where you're going. 
If that's not settled with you today, let's get it settled. You get to answer the question that Jesus asked Martha too. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for these brothers and for these guys that aren't yet brothers that I'm eager to call brothers someday. Thank you for the chance to crack open your word, to share the story that you've put in our path and in our life. And God, I pray that our focus would so be on you and that your power would be perfected in our weakness. Because when we are weak, we are strong. In that strength, I pray that we would turn this city upside down until we breathe our last. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Marketplace Midland podcast. Please join us next month with speaker Britt Brookshire. 